Hi, it's Juliana. The episode you're about to hear was recorded back in the fall. It's our interview with Chef Unjo Park of Kawi, the Momofuku restaurant in New York City's Hudson Yards. Kawi has been closed for over a month now, but we hope you'll enjoy hearing Joe's story. We also have a little update from Joe about what she's been up to during coronavirus, which we'll share after the episode. Thanks for listening and take care. Hello and welcome to K-Pod, the podcast about Korean Americans in arts and culture from Korean American Story. I'm Katherine Hong, a writer and editor. And I'm Juliana Sohn, a photographer. Today, Juliana and I are recording from New York's Hudson Yards, where we're sitting down with Chef Unjo Park at her restaurant, Kawi. Kawi is the newest restaurant in David Chang's Momofuku Restaurant Group. It's a fine dining Korean restaurant and probably the most high profile of the wave of modern Korean restaurants to have opened recently. Unjo, who goes by Joe, came to the States from Korea at age 12. She attended culinary school at CIA and climbed the ranks, working in some of the best kitchens in the country, including Danielle, Lebec Finn, and Per Se. In 2013, she started working for David Chang at Momofuku Co., an experience she's described as liberating. After several months traveling and also a devastating injury with a kitchen knife, which we'll get to later, she was invited to develop her own restaurant in the Momofuku family. We have so many questions for you. Thank you, Joe, for having us at the restaurant today. Good afternoon. Nice meeting you guys. So maybe we can start off talking about the day that the reviews for Kawi came in. And um, I think it was especially dramatic because the New York Times and Eater mm-hmm. both came out the same day. And you had only been open for how Like long? two months. Two, three months. We got, it was our first review of the Hussignor and... It came so quick um, when I got an email saying that they're going to review, they're going to post a review and then they're going to come for interview. First, I was like, this is not fair. Like, you know, we just opened, we're just getting started and we're getting reviewed already. So how common is that? Um, that what's the average time that uh, it depends? But I think like usually six months. So it was very a surprise for everyone because we had... Um, critics coming in like every week, like different, like they usually come at least two times. So we've had a lot of critics past month. So it was a lot of pressure. Um, I was doing the interviews with the critic and everything was piling up. And then one day, like I opened up the magazine and then we got reviewed. And afternoon we got reviewed by Eater. So it was a day of blur. I honestly don't remember much. what were you expecting? I mean, I I think I expected from zero to whatever, like worst case scenario to best case scenario. Um, one thing I remember, though, is like sitting down with Dave and we talked about what's the best review for us. And this is what Dave told me. He's like, you know, to be honest, I hope you get bad review because that's going to push you. Um, I know you're like pushing, you're doing a good job, but... I feel like getting really good review in the first month, like first two months of opening is just going to maybe make me stop um, believing that I'm already doing a good job. So he's always pushing. Right, so. right. Well, I love that he's pushing for the atypical boss thing, <laughs> yeah. which is great reviews, mm-hmm. full restaurants, mm-hmm. um, success, money, mm-hmm. all that stuff straight away. I mean, it's he's technically your boss. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that he wants you to be paced and to grow. It's actually like 
he's teaching me how to ride a bike and he's holding me behind the bicycle. <laughs> yeah. That's how I see him. Um, but, you know, we should say for listeners who maybe don't even know how the restaurant was reviewed, mm-hmm. um, very positively, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Eater mm-hmm. said that it was the only place worth eating at at Hudson Yards, so that's pretty good. <laughs> and the Times gave it two stars, mm-hmm. and it seemed like a borderline two or three because the words were very positive. It was around. a very good, yeah, very positive two star, and I was very, very, very thankful. Yeah. yeah, We'd love to ask you a little bit about your childhood mm-hmm. and how you became a chef. Mm-hmm. So um, you were born in... So I was born in Seoul, Korea. Um, I have one older sister who's one year older than me. Uh, we grew up in Seoul, like a normal middle class family, until the Korean government it was going like starting of IMF. So like everyone was losing job. So I think my parents decided to own their own spot, and so somehow they ended up buying a Japanese Korean restaurant. Near, Were they not in the restaurant business before? No, not at all. What my, did they do? My, my dad was a salaryman, and my mom worked in like um like a hair product, like working with my aunties. So we moved in with our grandparents in like country, countryside. So from living into Seoul, moving to country, and my parents, I don't know, honestly, <laughs> like, I don't know what their idea was, but they're like, you know what, let's move to, like, let's just own our own thing where we can control everything. And if we need to be happier to work less, let's just, let's just try it out. Who was the primary chef or cook? Uh, we had a Japanese like a sushi chef. But of course, something already always happens. And so my dad went to cooking school, wow. like like a sushi class. Mm-hmm. And then he later took over. But he's not, like, I wouldn't say like a proper sushi chef, but they, it was like a more like Korean, Japanese, where it's like a spicy stew mm-hmm. and a Korean style, like hui, not like a sashimi. And you were growing up on a farm? Yeah. So it's kind of great. I just remember my first day of school, they were introducing me and I see the classroom, like all these country kids, <laughs> tan, bugs in their hair, red face. I was like, I was like, damn, like, yeah. <laughs> look at this kid. And they're looking at me like, wow, this like city slicker. Right. I like a pale face. And OK, I'm having like flashbacks to Totoro. <laughs> no, like really. And then like, you know, I pull out my crayon. It's like 24 where there's, <laughs> there's like very little. They're very curious. I remember that. And also I remember month after. I'm just like them, bugs in my hair, <laughs> tan, like red face. I just remember my mom like yelling at me, like, like how that happened within a month? Like, who are you? <laughs> so that was the beginning of the countryside that I remember. I see. And you lived there until you were 12, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us about coming to America. So Korea was going through crisis. IMF happened. Um, and my dad friend, he actually invited my father to check out Philadelphia. Um, he owned the, he owned like a grocery store. So my dad went by himself and then he came back and told, basically told the family that we were gonna move to New America. And I was so young that it didn't really register. I was like, yeah, like something fun, like something we're moving. And none of our family spoke any English. Only my, my dad was the best at it. But now I remember, I'm like, wow, like I can't believe he went through that with carrying all of the family member because like now I see him I'm like he doesn't speak any English you know yeah was it really hard adjusting oh it was very hard like 
teased or were you lonely? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got teased. My sister got teased. You know, they would just kick under the chair or something. Something small. Yeah, like I remember like we would share a bedroom and we'd be like crying. I'm like, why are we here? Like, can we please go back to Korea? Like, this sucks. Yeah. I miss my grandma. But I'm sure my parents struggled more, you know. Mm. Um, I think they tried to open up a restaurant here too. But something happened. They lost the money. So they both start working at the cleaners, which is very... Very Korean. Very Korean. Um, It's the Koreans already established that society. So they start working there. My dad working double. And yeah, like small apartment. They worked a lot. So when we're home... My parents wouldn't be there. So, like, I would usually make small snacks. I think that's how I got into cooking. Not cooking, but, like, food in general. Mm-hmm. So, were you to You didn't have family t- to raise you once you got here like, during the day. Mm-hmm. Because your parents were off working. Mm-hmm. So, it was just... But I was so used to that. Because, like, even in Korea, now, if, now thinking of it, it blows my mind. Like, second, third graders, just, like, five of them just running around <laughs> like staying out all night because my parents are not here my grandparents they're like you know it's country like they're not worried so like um do you know the term sorry sorry literally means like going to other neighbor's farm and then digging their stuff it's like stealing <laughs> but it's kids so yeah. and they they, they they start a bonfire and like roast sweet potatoes and stuff like that so like i already like my sister and i grew up without like having a nanny or like mm-hmm. actual person watching over us. So it was like, okay, I didn't feel anything abnormal. And what kind of kid were you like by the time you got to high school? I think what? all throughout high school, my personality is like very private. Um, so I only had few friends, like core friends. And I started working when I was 15 because I would get like, only get like $5 a week. Mm-hmm. So junior year and senior year, I took half of my day day schedule to a tech school and learning cooking. Wow. And so arts. your parents, um, they supported that because they saw that you loved it or did they try to discourage? No, they're, I'm very grateful because they're not typical Asian parents. They were really happy that I found something that makes me happy. So they're very, very supportive. You went to CIA, is mm-hmm, that right? Mm-hmm. But your, and your parents paid for it. It's expensive, that it's very, degree, you know, right? Yeah, very, very expensive. And I was so immature. Hyde Park. Hyde Park, Park in upstate New York. Okay. Yeah, Culinary Institute of America. Mm-hmm. And that was straight out of high school? It was three days after high school. Oh, wow. So that was your higher education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right. and that's where you train in classic French technique and all of that really. All of non Korean? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, know. it was all the American food I knew was cafeteria. And then that was it. Because after work, I would eat, come home and then eat Korean food. Yes, it's very expensive, but I still recommend all the young cooks to go to cooking school because it really like builds your foundation. And I, I got out so much of it. and. I had so much fun. Do you feel, yeah, do you feel like you found your people there where maybe you didn't in high school? But And then, you know, I think it cooking actually changed my personality from really shy. I'm still very shy, but from that shy, quiet, very private into cooking. Like once I started cooking and talking about food, it really kind of opened me and then changed, actually changed my personality too. Well, you must have done very well because if your first job out of, 
school was Danielle, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be. It's like graduating and getting your. I don't know. I don't know. I, I got things like super stacks. lucky. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> getting hired somewhere like that. I and didn't know anything about Michelin star, so I just applied like all the restaurants, all the restaurants that everyone was applying to, and somehow they called me to come for a trail. And that time I was actually moved back to Philadelphia. I asked the chef, I was like, chef, I'm sorry, but can you just let me out at 11.30? I have to take a bus to Philly. He's like, you came from Philadelphia? <laughs> Maybe that was that, but I yeah. got hired. Right. Um, so walk us through what a, a trial day is um, like. So that, this is like back in 13 years ago. Trail, you come in, you don't get paid, and then you just work whatever the test they were given, and then they just like basically see you how you fit into the their mm. kitchen, and then... Same for me too. I see like if I'm like if I'm gonna like it here or not, and then they see your knife work, how you move in the kitchen, and they tell you if you're hired or not. What do you think your strengths were at that time? I, I guess I had nothing to lose, and I know anything, so I just like focused. Focus. Yeah, and it seems like you are incredibly hard worker. You work like nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> I think honestly, I think it comes from having immigrant parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like watching. You can't be lazy. Just imagining what they went through for us to mm-hmm. have this life, you know. Right. So tell us a little bit about after Danielle, or a little bit about your early kitchen experience um, and um, moving throughout different kitchens. Okay, so right after culinary school, I thought I was a chef. You know, I was full of it. I'm like, I'm gonna be a chef. I'm gonna get paid so much. I'm gonna take care of my parents. My first paycheck was like three hundred something. I was getting paid very minimum. Um, working a lot, but I just remember struggling with everyday paycheck. It was hard. Like I was on my feet like 18 hours a day. I was never used to it. I didn't expect this out mm-hmm. right after high speed, right after cooking school. So working there a little over a year and I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is not for me. Maybe I should go back to normal college. You know what? Let's give it up. So I moved back to Philly actually and just Hanging, hanging out, talking to my friends and family. Uh, one of the chefs from Danielle was like, you know what, if you're just hanging out, why don't you just try out my friend's restaurant? See if maybe it's a different, it's a smaller restaurant, so it might be easier for you. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. That was Lebec Finn. I started there. Uh, two months in, the chef told me that he was leaving to open up his own restaurant. And I, I was like, at the time, I really liked him. So I was like, you know, like he's the one that really got me back to the cooking. So should I stay in Philly or should I go back to New York? So right after culinary school, I started sending out my resumes everywhere. Um, and Chef Benno from Per Se called me. So I went to Trail, just like from Philadelphia to New York, <laughs> got my job, and then worked at Per Se for a little over a year until I got my accident. <laughs> okay, so what's the accident? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the knife incident. This sounds like a chef's it's nightmare. Horrendous. Um, it was like first week of training a new station. I was so excited. I bought a new knife and it didn't zip up in my backpack. So I like folded it with my apron along with all the small knives. And, you know, like it didn't zip through. Mm. And I was walking <gasps> in my backpack. Oh my gosh. Where were you? On the street? Right after work, basically right outside of Columbus Circle. Okay. My backpack just zipped open and my knife fell, but it sounds so scary, but it was a small, small knife that cut me. Like a little slit. Very sharp though. Very sharp. I didn't even feel it. 
it just dropped. I was like, oh, I should pick it up. And then I, my leg, I couldn't feel it. And then I just right, like, so went where the was the, where was the cut? Oh, like right by Achilles, but like uh-huh. right across. <laughs> so I'm like starting to cry. I'm, yeah. like, I'm bleeding. My friends oh, are like, oh my gosh, we have to take you to hospital. And the doctor's like, you're, you're actually fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. So it was just to stitch you up. Like, two, three stitches. That was it. I rested two weeks and then went back to work. Working, 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 16, 17 hours a day. And my foot is just to get swollen, swollen, swollen. That I started limping. Infection, right? I don't know. But I'm like, nothing is like hot. Or it didn't feel like uh-huh. infection, but it was, it kept just swollen. My chef's like, Joey, you have to go see a doctor. Like, go see a podiatrist. So I went, and then they're like, you actually, when you got that first cut, it was little like a tear. But I was working so much that it just ripped apart. So like, my Achilles tendon was like ruptured up oh. to my halfway. Yeah. You had to take some real time off. So, yeah. And then I had to leave, per se. I was very upset because I worked one year as Komi. Komi is like a prep cook. And then I finally got moved to the main kitchen. And first week, the accident happened. So I was oh. very, very upset. So it was a long surgery. And then I moved to Philadelphia. And then I was bedridden for a few months. Yeah, and then started physical therapy. And then spent a year and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a lot of recovery. I think I could have actually finished everything in eight months. But my parents were like... This is your only time that you're going to have a full rest. And that you're, I know you're going to go back to work. So just take your time now. Yeah. It's interesting hearing that and the time frame. Because when you read about you and your career, it's this like list of these like fabulous restaurants Mm-mm. and this like great education. And, and you hear about how that broke down and how you had to stop and Mm -hmm. then reconfigure it. And Mm -hmm. then you had to stop. And then, uh, you know, I I think you've gone back to Philly about three times now. Yeah, no, seriously (laughs) though, like people think that, yeah, right after high school, culinary school, Danielle per se, like, it wasn't like that. Like I struggled so much. Like after Danielle, I'm like, I can't do this. After per se, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, like there's always that little heal that I can't I feel like I can't but then I take a step back and then it gets me and you were at these you know storied restaurants but you hadn't been there long enough to kind of prove yourself Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there must have been a worry about Mm -hmm. leaving that right so after a year and a half when I'm like okay I'm really ready to go back I was like I have to go back to per se because like if I don't go back I'm just things gonna just stay with me forever so yeah, I went back to Per Se after two years. And I'm like, okay, now I see what Per Se food is. But what else do I need to know? And a good friend of mine was a good friend of a chef at Momofuku Co. And he actually reached out to me saying like, hey, are you looking for a job? We're actually looking for a line cook, like Comfort Trail. Per Se is pretty much regarded as the best restaurant in America. Momofuku Co. It's so different. It's not even in the same category because mm-hmm. it's only 12 seats. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Okay, Tell I could never a get a reservation it. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. That's the fun of it, I guess. You can't get in. <laughs> I think I was very ignorant back then. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a per se cook. And I saw... I was actually not interested in Momofuku. I saw Momofuku as a ramen shop. And I wanted to stay 
like a Michelin star, fine, fine dining. I'm like, I'm gonna stay classic French. I'm gonna do this, all this like beautiful, like a foam and whatever. And um, but you know, like just give it a try. It's a small restaurant, and I hear good things about it. So, Momofuku Co. Back then, the old Co. was originally old noodle bar spot where mm-hmm. it's like a sushi counter. There's twelve seats. There's only three cooks. That's it, and there's no front of the house. Maybe just one like person. It's and the most personal dining experience yeah, you're gonna have. I've never experienced it. Just seeing like the food the guests are eating, the one that you just handed to them. And then the expression that they're like, wow, or like, oh, it's okay. Or that was so fun to me. And I was like, I really want to be part of it. And yeah, luckily I got hired. So I, I stayed with the company. I started Momofuku. And at Ko, you were able to explore different kinds of cuisine, right? Mm-hmm. It was so, like guys, like you mentioned, it was very liberating. Using fish sauce, soy sauce. All these like funky things that I didn't think I was embarrassed before as a child, you know. But now I'm like showing it off, making this dish better by using a one drop of fish sauce. So I was like, wow, like this is where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> so then after Momofuku Ko, you spent some time traveling. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like backpacking by yourself? Yeah. So I was like 28 or 29, turning 29 before 30. Just working New York back and forth from Philadelphia. I didn't even travel within states, so I'm like, I have to travel. I kept my, I kept telling my friends years that I wanted to travel, but you know, with the cook's salary, you, you can save money. But at Co, I was able to save some money because back then we were getting tipped. So I was able to save some money. And I think a few months after turning 29, I was like, I know Momofuku Ko now, so I think I'm ready to leave. Dave actually sent me down to have me stay longer. And he actually told me that he wanted me to grow within the company back then. But I was very, I was sure that I want, this is what I wanted to do. So I quit. I put all my stuff, my parents, back in Philly. (laughs) (laughs) So is this the time when you um, spent time in the temple? No. So... They were just actually traveling Korea. And then I met up with a friend who we met at Per Se. Um, her name is Lucy. She runs Pichana and Kaon in Korea. Um, and she's like, if you want to learn Korean food, I have a restaurant here. So just move back when you're ready. I was like, all right, you know what? I'll think about it. And then after traveling, I went, I came back. My sister had a baby, so I stayed with them for a little bit, spent some time with them, and moved back to Korea to work. So she offered you that job. And why did you think, I'm ready to leave New York? Or what was it about going back to Korea that appealed to you? Um, I think it happened during Koh. Um, chefs gave me a lot of freedom to be like, hey, like, create some like canapé or there are like a lot of things that I wanted to do to put up a dish but I didn't know much of Korean food but I still get inspired by it because I eat it every day and I'm like if I want to be if I want to make a food that's representing myself that I should know it so mm-hmm. just like going to cooking school I'm like maybe I should learn the foundation one thing that really was interesting to me was that K-Town food is every Korean food that you know in one restaurant. Mm-hmm. You have bibimbap, you have karbi, yeah. you have noodles, everything. Yeah. But Korea, I realized that they only have special, and I loved it, like, you know, yeah. like you can just go to this restaurant for like really good kimchi stew. Yeah. And then you go, go for this tofu. 
So I I searched for them, and then I had so much fun eating those food, and especially going to the markets. It's actually, like insane how much greens or herbs that you've never heard before, or tasted before. It's like so many in Korea. So I highly recommend. Like, when was the last time? Gosh, I think it was thirteen like years ago. Wow. Yeah, fourteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, I maybe, went yeah. in 1989. And that's <laughs> <laughs> you have that's to go. I know, it's really different. Yeah, food is amazing. <laughs> so you were working at the mm-hmm. fine dining Gaon. Gaon. Gaon, mm-hmm. and in your free time you were exploring and tasting mm-hmm. and going all to these little restaurants. In Drinking a lot of soju. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a chef in a Korean restaurant in Korea. Um, I was the, my title was like a junior sous chef, mm-hmm. and this is a this is like a three Michelin star restaurant in, mm-hmm. in Korea, right? Mm-hmm. One of the most the best restaurants in Seoul. Would mm-hmm. you say? Um, there's uh, it's Kaon G A O N. There's only two Michelin three star restaurants in Korea, and one's Shila and one's Kaon. So and so, how did this restaurant get started? Oh, Kawi. Kawi, yeah. When I was working at Kaon. Dave came to Korea for the Pyeongchang Olympics, mm-hmm. and he came to interview the chef. And then he he knew that I was working there, so we met up. He sat me down. He's like, "Joe, like there's this new project happening, and I really want you to be part of it." And I'm like, "I'm not ready." I'm like, "Chef, like there's no way." And then he's like, "Okay, just think about it." And he came back three months later. Um, he sat me down one more time, and he talked in more detail, like. This is your growth. I believe in you. Like at the time, I didn't believe in myself, but just knowing that someone like Dave is really believing in myself, and then for him to come to Kaon to tell me all these stories to have me back in the restaurant, I think that re- that got me motivated. So he knew he wanted to do a Korean da- restaurant. Is that right? No. Like, what did he? What was his idea back then? Or we. It was an empty thing. Even after I joined, I had no idea it was going to be Kawi that Kawi is at right now. We discussed, is it going to be Korean? Is it going to be Korean-American? What is it going to be? Like, you know what, let's just test it out. And then it's like, do whatever you want. I'm like, chef. It's scary sometimes giving that too many options, too much freedom. I'm like, chef, but I don't know what I want. I don't even know my voice. So he guided me. He's been very, very patient. Um, He's still now. It says right on your website that this is your vision. Mm -hmm. And he's giving you this license to express yourself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want this to be like every other. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wish we had David Chang here right now. (laughs) Because uh, some of the things that um, I remember from uh, that interview Mm -hmm. was that um, there is a whole empire of Momofuku and they all have a commonality. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is the um, part of the group and has the same maybe philosophy and ideology, but this is specifically you and he's pushing it to be more you mm-hmm. and have your voice. Mm-hmm. And if it's the first in the Momofuku um, enterprise that is that, like, do you... No, or has he ever said what he saw in you or what he wanted? Like, what of you did he want to uh, to be part of his group? Do you know what it is? Honestly, I don't know. And like, <laughs> I'm like, chef. Sometimes I'm like, Why me? I know, like, it's too much, chef, you know? But 
the one thing that he tells me is that I know how, how even how hard it is. I know you're not gonna give up. That's why I want you to fail. And that's one thing that is my biggest struggle right now is failing. I'm so scared of failing because past 10 years of cooking, I've only learned how to make it perfect, how to make it like everything was controlled. But now like just like an open thing. Right. Well, this is a new restaurant. It's right. not like you're stepping into an established mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. that's already got its full staff. Mm -hmm. and it's menu. I mean, you had to build a menu from mm -hmm. scratch. I honestly think my biggest struggle is now, not the opening of the restaurant, because opening of the restaurant, although I had my boys in there, it was a lot of guidance from all other chefs in the restaurant. You know, there was a lot of help. But here, after the post-opening, like the post-review, now is, I think it's chapter one of Kawi. And now, now Dave is saying, even before, he's like, now he's like really pushing for me to be like, I need you to really, this is your restaurant. Like, believe it in, in, like, this is not my restaurant, this is yours. And you can, you need to build your own culture and you need to build your own voice. And then, but I'm so scared, yeah. <laughs> so much work. <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. Um, so let's talk about the food. Yeah. Because that's one thing we haven't actually talked about. Uh -huh. Can you tell us about a couple of dishes that you are excited to have on that menu um, what's here kimbap it's very interesting because it's such a humble food that people look down to but it's like the lesser sushi is what right I think that's what i was gonna say people like think. people see japanese food as like a high-end super expensive super fancy but why can't be korean food like that why only image of korean food is soju like gnarly stew like a cheap kimbap so we're thinking, we're testing a bunch of things, and then we're like, you know what, like, let's just do whatever we want to put it inside kimbap. Some people, some Koreans may look at it and be like, that's not kimbap. Mm. I'm like, who are you to tell me it's not kimbap? <laughs> I say yeah. it's kimbap, it's kimbap. <laughs> so we start playing around, and I just want people to have this different look of Korean food, you so know? So what's in your kimbap? We have five kimbaps now. First one is pickled veggie. So all these different pickles, kale, char, char kale, is served with habanero sauce and little bungee, beet bungee. Oh, that sounds so good. Um, other kimbap is marinated foie gras with oh. uh, chive and citrus soy jelly. Tell us about another dish. Um, rice cake. We decided to do rice cake. And I think to make really good rice cake, it's all about, of course, the flour but the freshness of the how when it's steamed and how, how long it's been sitting before the guests are eating. Mm. So we decided to make our own. Um, we got a rice cake extruder from Korea. We like ventured out flushing to source really nice like uh, rice cake flour. And this small shop decided that they're willing to send 600 pounds every week. So we get them hand delivered. We steam them and we extrude it through our extruder and then it gets pan fried or we have three different style of rice cake. It must be hard finding chefs um, who can cook with these ingredients, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. there are not that many chefs in New York trained. Of course, like yeah. but I, I love having, I don't think you have to be Korean to create like a delicious creative Korean food. I honestly think it comes a lot from my other sous chefs who's not Korean, who has no experience in Korean food. If there's a piece of meat 
that I know is kalbi. To me, as a Korean, I I can only see it as kalbi. But for them, they're like, oh, what is this? Like, a, is this mm-hmm. a barbecue? Mm-hmm. Or like, is this like a slow roast or something? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it could be that way. So it really balances out. Like they bring really good ideas and then I add little Korean touch to it. So yeah, like really good team together. You said that this restaurant isn't even close to what you want it to be. This is still a developing restaurant. Is there anything you can tell us about what you want to do here? Um, it's not that it's not a restaurant that I don't like or... Not, on, that, not, not that you don't like it, but mm-hmm. that... I'm still finding my voice and finding my style of cooking. So I think, I don't know how that's going to end up or I don't know how that's going to look, but... I know there's so much more that we are just so excited to work on it. Yeah, just very excited for more personal touch and more characteristic than generic restaurant. That's what I want. Like, I want people to come to Kawi and be like, this is Kawi's food. And I can actually, like, really, like, taste the care and the love went into it. Because that's one thing that I drill all my cooks. It's something I'm learning that you can drill people to care about what mm-hmm. they're doing yeah. it's really yeah. hard so right now i'm just like showing them how much i care and hopefully they pick it up from that well we're so excited <laughs> to try this food i'm so, so excited to have you guys that's what we should do now is eat yeah. yeah well thank you for having us no thank we're you so, so much Hi again, it's Catherine. Since recording the episode, Kawi was announced as a semi-finalist for Best New Restaurant by the James Beard Foundation. The winners will be announced in May. And earlier this week, we checked in with Joe, who's been socially distancing at home in New York City since the restaurant closed on March 14th. She reports that she's been conferencing with the team at Momo and that she's tried to teach herself to play piano and guitar. She also told us that she's made a few batches of kimchi and that she's been eating lots of rice, noodles, and kimchi jjigae. Mostly, she's looking forward to getting back in the kitchen at Kawi. Thanks for listening, everybody, and take care. K-Pod is a production of KoreanAmericanStory.org. Our editor is AJ Valente. Our producer is Jessica Park, and our executive producer is H.J. Lee. You can follow K-Pod and see Juliana's photographs of our subjects on our new Instagram at kpodpod. That's K-P-O-D-P-O-D. And you can always email us with comments and suggestions at kpod at KoreanAmericanStory.org. Thanks.